I'm your host, Kurt Sandig, and welcome to Paranormal Almanac. Hello, I am your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, we're going to do things just a little bit differently. Because instead of talking about one specific thing, we're going to be talking about a town, my current hometown of Los Angeles. Los Angeles is filled with hopes and dreams, but also with darkness. For every Oscar-winning film, there's a haunted past. So for Halloween, let's take a look at the haunted places in and around Los Angeles. The first haunted location on this list is also one of the most famous locations in Hollywood, the Grauman's Chinese Theater. It was opened in 1922 and has been a staple of Hollywood since it began doing the handprint ceremonies in cement in 1927. And that's all well and good for tourists, but why is it on this list? Well, that's because it has a couple of ghosts. The first one is nicknamed Fritz, and Fritz supposedly hanged himself somewhere in the theater, though I can't find any records to corroborate this. I can't find any records of anyone dying at the Grauman's Chinese Theater or of an employee named Fritz. But Fritz has been seen by guests and customers alike, and he's also heard messing with a long disconnected buzzer in the upstairs office. The other ghost there is actor Victor Killian, best known as the Fernwood Flasher on Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. He's said to haunt the forecourt in front of the Chinese Theater. It is known that Killian lived near the theater and apparently met a man at a nearby bar in 1979 and invited him up to his nearby home, where he was found beaten to death the next morning. Next up is another classic theater, the Pantages Theater. The theater has at least two ghosts, a singing woman who's said to have died in the mezzanine in 1932. According to witnesses, during a cast recording once, microphones were set up in the theater and they heard someone singing in the mic when no one was on stage. Not only is her ghost seen there, but the one and only Howard Hughes has been seen there. Howard Hughes's RKO Pictures bought the Pantages in 1949. He built a door that connected his office to one of the theater balconies so he could see the shows without being disturbed, and where it's been said employees would often find him thinking in the dark. Employees nowadays still see Howard Hughes up in his office, and he was once seen keeping an eye on new employees. During the restoration in 2000, people said they saw a man stepping off the balcony, walking along the scaffolding, and standing over a worker to inspect his work. When the guy turned to ask the man what he wanted, the figure vanished. Now let's move on to a hotel, the Knickerbocker Hotel. It was originally built as an apartment building in 1925, then became a fancy hotel. Rudolph Valentino is now said to haunt the bar. Marilyn Monroe supposedly hangs out in the ladies' room, the uh, Knickerbocker is where she and Joe DiMaggio enjoyed their honeymoon. I've actually had a personal experience there once. In the late 90s, they had a great coffee house. It was either in the lobby or like a, ba a basement or a lounge part of, of the building. Um, and a f bunch of friends of mine and I went there. I didn't know it was haunted or supposedly haunted. I didn't know much about it. I just knew that it was really cool old Hollywood and it was still done up in the old wood paneling and, and wood uh, bar, and it was very cool, so I had to go and check it out. So my friends and I went there, and we were hanging out and enjoying it and checking out the architecture, and I fell in love with the building. And that's when I heard laughter and talking from the other side of the coffee house. The only problem was we were the only ones there at the time. It was really bizarre, and like I said, I didn't even know about the haunted history of the Knickerbocker. Besides my personal experience, there's many good reasons for this place to be haunted. Director D.W. Griffith died in the lobby. 
I Love Lucy's William Frawley, who played Fred Mertz, he lived at the Knickerbocker and was walking into the lobby one day when he had a heart attack on the sidewalk just outside. A nurse dragged him into the lobby and tried to unsuccessfully to revive him. Actress Frances Farmer was also arrested in the hotel for dislocating a studio hairdresser's jaw. And finally, costume designer Irene Gibbons. This is probably the saddest story of the Knickerbocker that I could find online. Um, she checked into the Knickerbocker in 1962 to commit suicide. She sliced her wrist, but when that didn't work, she jumped from her room's window on the 14th floor and died when her body hit the building's awning just out front. Her body stayed there until it was discovered later that same day. But despite all the famous guests that lived at the Knickerbocker, it is most notable for its non-haunting. After Harry Houdini's death on Halloween in 1926, his widow Bess attempted to contact him every year for 10 years with a seance on the roof of the Knickerbocker, unfortunately with no success. Now let's move on to what should be a lighter, happier place, but isn't. The place is the Comedy Store. But before it was the Comedy Store, it originally housed Ciro's, a hot mob hangout in the 40s and 50s. Now it's said to be haunted by several hitmen, as well as a woman who performed illegal abortions in the downstairs lounge and a mob guy's girlfriend who died getting one of those abortions. Besides the mob that still hang out at the Comedy Store, it's also haunted by a comedian, Steve Lubitkin, or Lubitkin. I apologize, I don't know the pronunciation of his name. He's a comedian who committed suicide off the nearby Hyatt Regency Hotel. He's said to play pranks on the staff and the comedians there all the time. Here are a couple of stories I found online about the ghost sightings at the Comedy Store. Here are a couple stories I found online about the ghost sightings at the Comedy Store. While locking up one night, the doorman and comedian Blake Clark saw a chair on stage slide for 20 feet effortlessly all by itself. Waitresses have set up the tables before a performance, and when they leave for a moment, they come back and find everything is off the tables, neatly folded and stacked. As comedians Joey Gaynor and Blake Clark were closing the main room one night, they walked out for a moment. When they came back, 10 chairs were stacked on top of each other in the middle of the room. Let me stop right here. What is with ghosts and stacking stuff? I can find numerous stories, hundreds of stories, where ghosts stack chairs, plates, shoes, anything they can stack. What's with ghosts and stacking stuff? Is it just easier for them to stack stuff to kind of get our attention? What do you guys think about that? What's the point of the stacking? But let's get back to the comedy store. The doorman, security, comedians Blake Clark and Joey Gaynor, and other staff members have had several personal experiences with both Mickey Cohen's fellows, his uh, hitmen, the female spirit, and the victims of mob torture and punishment. When Joey and Blake were both in the main stage area, Joey decided to challenge the spirits to show themselves against the advice of Blake. They both watched an ashtray slowly rise from a table in front of them and throw itself at Joey's head, who ducked quickly, letting the ashtray hit the wall behind them. Staff members have often seen a man whom they call Gus. Gus is the other one that is a big name in the comedy store. They often see him standing in the back of performance rooms, dressed in his black dress suit and fedora. Gus has been seen by a number of people, just keeping an eye on the crowds and the employees. The basement of the comedy store is where the abortions took place in the 40s and 50s, where a huge black form has been seen and heard growling. It's been said that a feeling of evil is felt down there, and security guards have had, their, have had things thrown at them, and witnessed the security gate being bent outwards towards them, like something is pushing it from behind to get out. 
Now let's move on from the comedy store to the one spot on this list that is Hollywood. The Hollywood sign itself. Peg Entwistle is probably the most famous failed actress in all of Los Angeles' history. She was depressed by her lack of success, so she jumped from the Hollywood sign's H to her death in September 1932. People have reported seeing a woman near the sign matching Entwistle's description and dressed in period clothes. Some people say they've seen a female figure actually making the jump. If you're ever hiking on the trails leading up to the Hollywood sign and you suddenly smell the strong odor of gardenia, keep an eye out for Peg. That was her favorite perfume and accompanies nearly all the sightings. The trails leading up to the Hollywood signs close at 10.30 at night, so feel free to go up there on Halloween and see if you can see Peg. Now let's move on to the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. This is another one where I've had a personal experience. The Roosevelt competes with the Knickerbocker for the most celebrity hauntings. Marilyn Monroe supposedly appears in a full-length mirror in Suite 1200, although when I was there, the mirror was in the lobby, so I'm not sure if it's still in the lobby or if it's in Suite uh, 1200 now. But that is the suite she stayed in when she was first becoming famous. Montgomery Clift is said to hang out in and around room 928, where he lived while shooting from here to eternity. And it's here where I've had my experience. I didn't know anything about... The, again, I didn't know anything about the Roosevelt being haunted, just like uh, the Knickerbocker. All I knew was that it was cool old Hollywood. I had just moved to uh, Hollywood from, uh, or I just moved to Los Angeles from Detroit, and my friend was in town. She was in town um, with the tour, I believe it was with Lollapalooza. And she said, do you want to go to Lollapalooza the next day? I said, of course, yeah, I would love to. She's like, all right, come up and stay in um, my hotel room. We'll go right from here. Cool, you got it. I drove up to Hollywood, and we were staying in room 928. I had no idea about it being haunted. I had no idea about the Roosevelt at all, to be honest with you. I just knew, again, that it was a cool old building that you could see from the Grauman's Chinese Theater. Well, when you walk in the room, there's a couch, then there's a little bar kind of divider, like a wet bar divider, and then on the other side of the divider is the uh, the bed and the TV and all that fun stuff. So it was uh, three of my friends and myself were, were hanging out and staying there and drinking and enjoying the night. And about midnight or probably actually a little bit later, probably 1 or 2 a.m., I, uh, I got tired, so I went and crashed on the couch. They're, they kind of wound down, and they went to sleep on the bed. The next morning, though, I was like, man, you guys were really loud last night. And they were like, what are you talking about? You were really loud last night. We kept hearing you making drinks, which is what I kept hearing them do in the little wet bar that separated, you know, the bed from the from the couch. Turns out none of us were up making drinks and rattling and walking around that night. It was the ghost, apparently, of Montgomery Clift, which, again, I had no idea. When my friend got down to check out, the person behind the counter said, well, how was your stay? Did you experience anything? And we said, wait, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And that's when we were told that that room was haunted by Montgomery Clift. Not only do people hear him making drinks in the middle of the night, like we did, but he's often heard playing the saxophone as well, which I can't find anything online about him ever playing the saxophone, so take that with a grain of salt, but that's what we were told when we checked out of the Roosevelt. Getting back to other people's experiences, one psychic says he's detected Humphrey Bogart, Carmen Miranda, and Betty Grable all at the Roosevelt. There's also a cold spot in the Blossom Room, which is the room where they had the uh, first Oscar, where a dapperly dressed 30s-era man is said to hang out. 
I don't know what it is with Hollywood hotels, but let's move on to another one of the hotels on this list. The Alexandria Hotel. The 1906 Alexandria, which is now low-income apartments, has been both one of the nicest places in downtown and also a rundown flophouse. Several dancers are said to haunt the second-floor ballroom, and an angry teenager hangs around Charlie Chaplin's old suite. Rudolph Valentino apparently leaves the Knickerbocker occasionally and comes on over to the 12th-floor suite that he had at the Alexandria Hotel as well. And the basement, which is filled with tunnels, is supposedly haunted by a couple of mobsters, and at least one of them is the same one who also hung out at Ciro's, which, as you remember, is what the comedy story is now. So it seems like no matter where you go in Hollywood, it has a bright past and a seedy past and a haunted past as well. So keep that in mind when you're visiting these places, because I'm sure you're not going to be able to think of the places the same again. I know I sure won't. And if you're a fan of old Hollywood like me, keep your eyes wide open, because old Hollywood still hangs out in the same old places it used to. Once again, I am your host, Kurt Sandvig. Thank you so much for listening to Paranormal Almanac. Thank you so much for the messages I've been getting on Facebook. I've got a couple of stories from you guys that I can't wait to tell you. Please visit us on Facebook and send me any stories that you have. If they're true and they're good enough, I'll tell them on the air. And if I really, really like them, and if you want to, I'll have you on the show to tell them yourself. Also, please go over to iTunes and click like and subscribe. Tell your friends about this show and let me know what you like, what you don't like, and what you want to hear more of. Thank you again.